When Chris Beal was unfaithful to his wife, Cindy, she faced a decision. Was she going to forgive him or not? Here's how she thought that through. I really do believe with all my heart, he never wanted to hurt me. He still did, but he did not want that. So forgiving him was really rather easy. Trusting him, that was something had to be earned for months and years to come. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. So what does the process of rebuilding trust in a broken marriage relationship look like? Chris and Cindy Beal join us today to talk about their experience. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. You know, one of the things that we've talked with couples about over the years is the whole issue of uh, how trust gets rebuilt in a relationship when that trust has been violated. And usually the violator is hoping that that trust can get rebuilt like really quickly. And the violated person is going, no, 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 no. This is a much slower process than you imagine or than it feels like it ought to be to you because you're not the one who got kicked in the gut, right? Yeah, and usually the one who confesses the sin, especially in a marriage relationship where a betrayal is so personal, feels like they can empty the garbage can and and it's like a dump truck comes and takes it away. And they feel free because they've just become unburdened. They've finally gotten rid of it and... Their spouse is left to in, know, what do I do with this, with this garbage? And uh, we've got a couple with us. Uh, first of all, the author of the book, Rebuilding a Marriage, Better Than New, Cindy Beal. Welcome back, Cindy. Thank you. And her husband, Chris, joins us. Thank you. So excited to be here. They've been married since 1993. They have three boys, actually three teenagers, hmm. 18, 14, and hmm. 13. That's a three-ring circus right there. <laughs> and smelly. Yeah, and smelly, no doubt lot, about it. Yeah. You shared earlier just uh, about how your marriage had to deal with Chris's deceit, betrayal, pornography, an affair, the birth of a, of a child outside of marriage that you knew nothing about, and your world was shattered instantly. And yet... One of the great parts of your story is that you were part of a church, Life Church, where you now work. Correct. Chris, and I, I actually love this part of the story, Bob, because many of us have heard a lot of couples where things have gone wrong, and they kind of drop off the face of the planet, and you never hear from them again. Well, mm. that's not the case with Chris and Cindy Beal. They received forgiveness from one another. They have experienced healing. That's what I really want to explore here and begin with you, Cindy, to just unpack. After you initially responded with grace and forgiveness and a commitment to the marriage some three weeks into the the discovery that your husband had been unfaithful for a number of years, not only with pornography, but also with affairs with multiple women, how did you experience that healing on an ongoing basis? Because there are a lot of listeners who are in the midst of their own deep trauma and trial right now. They need to know where to look for help and hope. Grief is not enjoyable. Nobody wants to grieve. And we experience grief when we lose something. It could be a job. It could be a relationship. It could be a person. And so our marriage, I felt like died. 
that day. So I began a grief process. And there's different stages you can research and find about all that. But I didn't really experience a ton of anger or denial. I went straight into the pit of despair is what I call it. And so for me, I tried for a little bit to kind of push it away when triggers would come. That's what I use the phrase a lot in my book. And when I'm talking to women, triggers would come to remind me of something he had done or something he had said that would trigger back to that two and a half year period. I had an option. I could suppress it, push it aside, forget it. I'm not going to think about it. Or I could feel it and I could push through it and I could move through it. Let's talk about one of those triggers. One of the ways would be when he came home late maybe a bit later than he had told you he would be home. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, this reminds me of that time period, and what am I going to do with it? But an even better trigger, I want to tell you about this, that I wrote about. I was in Walmart, and I was grocery shopping, and I remember looking up on the on the shelf for a particular item for this recipe I was making. This is probably three months after confession. And I see it, and I'm reminded of something that I used to do when we lived in the other town, and it reminded me of, oh, he often was at home when I did this. He was doing a ministry appointment. Oh, he was, and it triggered, and I started thinking, oh my gosh, and I began to cry in the middle of the aisle in the Walmart, totally cry, not like on the floor crying, but crying. And I cried for probably a good minute. And then all of a sudden, I just kind of stopped and I wiped my tears and I kept grocery shopping. A lot of people would not have let that happen. They would have run out the store. They would have, you know, stopped and wouldn't have thought about it. But that's what I'm talking about. When these triggers come that remind you of the past, If we do not deal with them, if we do not face them, if we do not feel them, they'll be there again. And so that day, I faced a trigger, and my healing went a step further. I firmly believe that. And so I did a whole bunch of that for a very long time. Yeah, I want to make sure listeners understand it was three weeks after Chris's confession that you made the decision, I'm going to stick this out. Did you forgive him three weeks later? Was grace extended in that moment? Or was it like, I'm going to tough this out, but we still got a long road to hoe before you're back in my bed? Well, forgiveness for me was rather quick. I have been forgiven of so much. I watched the actions of my broken, repentant, remorseful husband day after day after day, and I know how much he did not want to do that. So I really do believe with all my heart he never wanted to hurt me. He still did, but he did not want that. So forgiving him was really rather easy. Trusting him, that was something had to be earned for months and years to come. So just because God called me to stay and I knew after three weeks— it wasn't like, okay, we're good. No, no, I had to deal with all the the garbage that I was covered in at this point. He was freer and, and flying high. I mean, he was amazing, and he did so many things to earn my trust back that he still does 15 years later. But, man, it still hurt. I still had to deal with the pain. Years to rebuild trust? Yes, years. Well, I would say this, because people ask her to this day, do you trust Chris? And this is a response. I trust God in him. Mm-hmm. When he's walking empowered by the Holy Spirit, I trust that. Honestly, is there anything trustworthy in any of us yeah. outside of God <laughs> empowering us? Sometimes I feel like 
we emphasize this idea of human trust outside of God that I don't know that is actually uh, real. Mm-hmm. And so when I, you know, for the last 15 years of healing, that's been really my number one job is to live empowered by the Holy Spirit, humble and grateful that every day that I have with my boys and with my wife is an undeserved gift. And one thing about Cindy, I will say, and this is probably not realistic. And so if you're listening, don't beat yourself up if you've done this. But in the last 15 years, Cindy has never once used what I did as ammunition to hurt me. And I really believe that she in a supernatural way, internalizes how much she's been forgiven by God and her choosing not to use this to wound. To punish. To punish is a choice of somebody that has been also forgiven much. And uh, I think that's a significant thing. Cindy, this um, this may be off limits. So if you don't want to answer this question, it's fine. Okay. But I'm not a woman. I can't begin to imagine what it might be like to go to bed with my husband and in that moment of intimacy, more than a trigger, I mean flashbacks. An onslaught. Yeah, a tsunami. How have you handled that? Obviously, it's part of the healing. It was very difficult. It was almost like, let's just get through this. So there were six weeks where there was no physical intimacy in our marriage. And, and our mentor is walking us through this, basically said, look, this is something that Cindy is going to set. It's going to be her decision. And so six weeks into the healing process, there was a moment where Cindy was open to us being together. And it was very challenging. I mean, my heart was thinking, What's he thinking about? What's she look like? Does she have a better body than me? I mean, I'm just, all of these thoughts are going through. And so I just began to take thoughts captive. I mean, I'm literally taking thoughts captive in that moment. And for those who don't understand what that means, that's praying. Yeah. And actually just offering those thoughts before God. God, take these thoughts. Yeah. Cleanse them. Yeah. Wash them clean. God, help me. Help me not think about this. I know that you've redeemed this. You're redeeming my marriage. You're making things new. Please, God, just help me to make it through. And then as things progressed in the months to come, there was just less and less of the onslaught of that happening. Did it take months before you being together was something that you could embrace and enjoy as a wife? Potentially closer to a year, maybe more. I I can't really remember. Right. But yeah, it took a long time. And sadly, people see what we have 15 years later, and they think, I want that. And I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, your title of your book makes me emotional to think about it. It's a tremendous hope-giving title. Rebuilding a marriage better than new. Right. So you wouldn't trade in what you have today. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back and have a faithful husband. I wouldn't go back and not have my stepson whom I adore. I wouldn't go back and trade all the pain to have what I have now. I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't do it. And I think it's important for a wife or or even a husband who's been a victim here. Mm -hmm. It took a year or more before you could fully be engaged in in intimacy with your husband, but that doesn't mean it was a year or more before you shared intimacy with your husband. You you guys were together during that time with you having to process everything 
in those moments, but you also recognizing if our marriage is going to work, this is a part of what makes a marriage work. Mm-hmm. We were growing as a couple in that, let's just take the six-week time period. We were growing, and he was finally investing in our marriage after two and a half years of not doing it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happens with these people who start cheating. They're investing somewhere else. Well, when you start investing where you're supposed to, and our intimacy was growing, yeah, we wanted to. So So, Chris, you know, as you're talking about the three weeks, the six weeks, the year, you're not a robot either. Right. What were you learning? I think the trying to understand how did I get here? Because there was never a day that I said, you know, I think I'm going to become a sex addict and I think I'm going to be addicted to pornography for the better part of my adult life. Those thoughts never went through my head. It was just one pushing one moral boundary after the other, just real subtle things. And going through the healing process, learning how to be convicted of my sin. So not to be ashamed necessarily, but to be broken personally for what I've done and how that affected those that I love, including God. And on one side, and then truly and fully walking in the grace of Christ that I am enough, just as I am. And that that was probably one of the most challenging and life-changing things. So I was working in retail at the time. So for, there was an 18-month period where, almost two years, where I wasn't in ministry. And really, ministry was not even on the radar. It's like, we're done. Your church actually yes. took you off the stage from leading worship Correct. and put you to work at Home Depot yep. and took away all your screens. So the leadership, mm-hmm. yes. the leadership team, they came and took the computer. They said... You're going to be under our covering, which means you just have to do whatever we tell you to do. So if you want to go on vacation, ask us first. Uh, If you want to get a job, which you're going to need a job, you can't travel, you can't have a computer, and you can't have the ability to be alone with women. And you stayed in the church? Absolutely. We sat on the front row. Where people knew. (laughs) Yeah. Where people knew. That took a lot of courage, too. Well, but here's the thing. So we went the weekend after the announcement, and then Craig Rochelle, my pastor, made the comment that Chris and Cindy's with us today, and it was in that moment that the mm. the church stood up mm. and gave us a, a round of applause and there was a line to hug our necks. Mm-hmm. This is a week after the confession. And in that moment, that's really when I had just supernatural hope. And it was this community of faith was gonna be the hospital where we heal and that God is planting the seeds for redemption. And that weekend, that day in church, it changed us. Cindy, could your marriage have made it to where it is today if there had not been a community doing what this community of faith did? If it was just the two of you saying, okay, we'll try to rebuild, we'll see a counselor, we'll do our best. You think your marriage would have survived that? I can't see how it would have. There's just something special about telling people, like-minded believers, that are going to speak the truth and encourage you and build you up and hold your arms up when you can't hold them up anymore. And and we had that um, not only from the church staff, but from our people in the congregation. And Cindy, as Chris was telling that story, I reached and gave you a Kleenex. I want to know what it was like. To have people line up and come by and look you in the eyes and hug you. What was that like? 
um, it was peacefully difficult. <laughs> there was some embarrassment a little bit, you know, kind of like, I mean, everybody knows your business now, and you're so vulnerable and so raw. But man, to see them actually do what the church is supposed to do, how we're supposed to help other believers heal, that was um, a very profound thing, and it made me think, I can stay here with these people. I can stay here. Yeah, these were not your lifelong friends. I've been there six weeks. I didn't even really have a lot of friends. I don't know what it feels like at this level. I'm a broken person, too, but it has to be a little bit like a leper. Yeah. He had to feel like a leper at that moment and have people standing in line yeah. to hug you. Yeah. What the flesh wants to do is run right. in the other direction, the exit. Well, I think, you know, Craig stood on stage the week before and said that, you know, the American church, unfortunately, more often than not, is one of the only institutions on the planet that shoot their wounded. That will not happen. We will be a hospital. Secondly, he said that gossip kills churches. And if we all know the truth in love, then we're truly free to just love them and be a voice of healing. I had one conversation probably 18 months later that I think really painted the picture of what, from the perspective of the church, the body of Christ, there was a 75-year-old woman that came up to me. I don't even remember meeting her. I didn't know who she was, but she walked up to me in church and she grabbed my collar, 75-year-old woman. (laughs) And she said, son, are you still free? And I looked at her, I said, yes, ma'am. And she smiled and she said, we did it. (laughs) She didn't say you did it. She didn't say good for your marriage. She said, we did it. And I really believe that there is a responsibility that's placed on a community that's a faith to be environments of healing. And she was so proud to be a part of a church that in her mind, we did it right. Your story reminds me of, of another one that Bob and I were told live on stage at the Christian Alliance for Orphans Summit, where I believe it was a foster care young lady who was cared for by a woman in the church, was never adopted by her, as I recall. She fell in love as a young lady in her 20s, and when it came time to give her away in the wedding to the man, the entire church stood up and said, who gives this woman to be married to this man? You know, that's really what the church was expressing there when they said, we did it. We really did it. Cindy, I want you to comment on something. Earlier, you said you became convicted that whatever you did, you need to give God the glory. That concept is something we throw around in the Christian community. It can almost be slang. Forgive me, but I've got a—this is one of my soapboxes. What did that look like? Now, looking back on this, what does it mean to give God the glory, practically speaking? Well, it's probably different than what you might expect. We see people in the world where we say something nice, you know, Dennis, great book. Oh, praise God, he's so good. And we give— God the glory in that capacity, or we think we do. And we might. For me, giving God the glory is a heart condition. And so I began when people would come up, and they still do, and they'll say, oh, you're so amazing. They'll say things like, you saved my marriage. And I'm thinking, 
No, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm a human. God saved it, but okay. And so when I get all these compliments, whether it's speaking at an event and people are like, oh, you that was so good. I just, in the quiet of my heart, I just say, God, if they only knew, I'm so wretched. You know, I'm thinking this in my to myself, and I just thank you, God, that you're using me, this vessel. And then I just look at them and I just say, thanks. Thank you. And then I always turn it and I'll say, what did God speak to you when I was like, if I'm speaking, you know, and they said something, what did he say to you? I'm trying to shift it to where I want to know what he spoke. But at the same time, we are called to encourage as long as it is today so that none of us will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So if I encourage you and you slam it back against me, you say, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was just God. I'm trying to encourage you. And if you don't allow me, I'm not using that gift, that command that I have. And so that was for me what I began to do with showing, you know, giving God glory. And so for me, giving him glory was so internal, was so internal. Well, I think it's evident in what you've done in two books now, because <laughs> you've written two books telling this story and it all keeps pointing back to how it's got at work in this. Nobody can read these books and go, you're just so smart. You're just so clever. You came up with all kinds of solutions. Your tri- those <laughs> tactics you had, where did you come up? This is just all about the healing power of God in the life of a couple. And for those of you who want to hear Chris's answer to a question I'm about to ask him, you're going to have to go to our website. And, okay. Okay. And are we going to hear the question? We're going to hear the question. And then the answer will be online. <laughs> the answer will be online. So, Chris, this wasn't your statement Whatever you did, you wanted to give God the glory. That was your wife's statement. But I'm just curious as to how you feel in the years that have passed that has worked its way out in Mm. you. That's a good question. And again, we're not going to listen to the answer now. The answer will be online at familylifetoday.com. So uh, head over there to hear Chris's thoughts on how God has been glorified in the midst of uh, the brokenness that has been a part of your marriage relationship. We also have copies of the book that Cindy has written telling their story. It's called Rebuilding a Marriage Better Than New. And while you're on our website at familylifetoday.com, you can order a copy of the book or you can call to order if you'd like. Again, the website is familylifetoday.com. The number to call to order is one 800 358 6329. That's 1-800-FL-TODAY. 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. There's also a video on the website for those who would like to watch a short video where you guys share your story. And there may be people that folks would want to pass that video along to. Again, you'll find it online at familylifetoday.com. You know, as we're sharing your story this week, I'm just reminded of our goal here at Family Life, we want to daily provide practical help and hope from the Bible so that husbands and wives, moms and dads know how to build a strong, healthy, godly marriage and family. Our goal is to effectively develop godly marriages and families because we believe godly marriages and families change the world one home at a time. Our desire in the months ahead is to expand the outreach We've seen God do some great things this past year with more people attending our Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaways, more people coming to our website, familylifetoday.com, more ways that this daily program is reaching people 
on their smartphones, on their tablets, through the radio. And those of you who support this ministry, you're helping us expand the reach of Family Life today. At the beginning of this month, we had a a friend of the ministry who stepped forward and said, I'd like to see it grow even more. He offered to match every donation that we received during the month of August, dollar for dollar, up to a total of $800,000 to take advantage of that matching gift. We need to hear from folks before this month ends, and this month ends in a couple of days. So today is a good day to go online and make a donation, and when you do, your donation will be doubled. You can donate online at familylifetoday.com, or you can call to donate at 1-800-FL-TODAY, or mail your donation to us at Family Life Today at Box 7111, Little Rock, Arkansas. The zip code is 722 And as long as your letter is postmarked before the end of the month, it will qualify for that uh, matching gift opportunity for us. So again, please pray that we'll be able to take full advantage of this matching gift. And please join us back tomorrow when we're going to hear more from Chris and Cindy Beal as they tell us about the process God has taken them through in rebuilding their broken marriage better than new. That comes up tomorrow. Hope you can be with us for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. And on behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas, a crew ministry. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.